Good evening. It's a blessing again to be gathered. Um, do you enjoy being with God's people? Man, that's all it's going to be in heaven, it's God's people. Do you enjoy the things that God loves? That's all it's going to be in heaven, things that God loves. So we have the opportunity on this side of heaven to begin to love the things and the people that God loves and, and the things that God loves. Take your Bibles for a precious promise verse tonight. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. It's a very common verse, but it's a beautiful promise. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Let's read it together. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Isn't it wonderful that in the time that we live with, with so much change and, and not knowing for sure what is coming next, to know that God's word never changes. It's, you know, those who have went on before us two, three hundred years, a thousand, two thousand years before us, they don't have to worry about standing before God and, and God changed his word. No. Neither will we if the, if the world stands and we pass on. Uh, we won't have to worry about God changing his word because God's word is final and it's truth. And so I'm thankful for that tonight. Well, tonight um, we want to talk a little bit about dying. And the title of the message tonight is um, Four Ways to Die. And we want to look at four examples from Scripture of four different ways that we can die. Um, I want you to be thinking about this because, Lord willing, at the end of the service tonight, um, won't be necessarily a standing or come forward invitation, but I would like you to be thinking through the message. In just a moment, I'll tell you what I'd like you to be thinking. But let me ask you this question first. If you, would, if you died and you passed from this life and... If you could have one word written on your tombstone, what would you like it to be? You don't have to say that right now, but I want you to think about that as we go through the message tonight. Okay? I'm not talking necessarily about the names on the front. Like, for example, um, my father had put on the back of my mother and his gravestone, it says, um, remember this as you walk by. As I am now, no, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare now for eternity. Remember this as you walk by, that as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare now for eternity. Now that's several sentences, but if you could sum it up on one word on the back of your tombstone, what would it be? And, and we're going to look at four words tonight. And, um, but I would, uh, I would like you to think about that. And then I'd also like you to kind of think about your life a little bit. And if Christ came down and wrote one word on your tombstone, what would it be? If God came down to describe your life. 
If he wrote, if he could write, if he would write one word on there, he's not going to do that. We know that. But what would you like Christ to say as one word that would describe your life? And so um, think about that a little bit tonight. And as we go through the uh, through the message, um, you know, death is kind of a, a thing that people fear. Um, you know, and, and death is death is something that um, the world kind of shies away from. And, you know, even for us as Christians, we have to admit that it's just kind of a little bit of the unknown, isn't it? Even though we have Christ, even though we know that, that he's going to be there for us, it's something that we haven't experienced. So, so uh, we, 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 we don't have to fear that, but it's something that we can't really totally describe. Somebody said that um, more lies are told at a funeral than any other time in church. It is kind of amazing, isn't it, that when someone dies and they lay up here in the casket, they could have lived for the devil, but all of a sudden they become a saint. You ever notice that? They're a saint. Uh, I, I can go to viewings that I didn't even know that the people hardly knew there was a God, and they'll say, Mother's in a better place. I know she's in a different place, but I don't know for sure if it's a better place. Not everybody that dies gets to go to heaven. Okay? We live in that time where, uh, you know, it makes you wonder, like, why would there be hell? Because every funeral, uh, they're going to heaven, right? Yeah. Well, we know that's not true. And, and so tonight we want to we wanna take some types and shadows from four different uh, people tonight in Scripture. And um, there's going to be a word for each person. So take your Bibles tonight to begin with and turn to the second book of Samuel. And we're going to get our first illustration and there's a few types and shadows with this so just keep that in mind but uh, I think you'll be able to clearly get the meaning of what we're trying to go at here so second Samuel chapter 2 and um, we're not going to read all these verses but if you look if you start looking down through there at about verse 12 um, Joab and Abner they have armies gathered, and, and they said, hey, let's take a man from every, every side, and let's have them, um, you know, basically play a, play a war game in front of us. So they took these 12 men, and the Bible says here that each of these men grabbed the other fellow by the head, and they rammed the sword through, and all of them fell dead. That's what it says as you read down through there. And so then... The battle was on, okay? And we're going to start reading at verse 18. And we're not really going to, we're not really going to talk about that battle. So, but I want to, I need to, on this one, I need to give a little bit of ground to build on. Let's begin reading at 2 Samuel 2, verse 18. And there, well, we'll start at 17. And there was a very sore battle that day. And Abner was beaten and the men of Israel before the servants of David. And there were three sons of Zariah there, Joab and Abizai and Aziel. And Aziel was as light as on foot as a wild roe. And Aziel pursued after Abner, 
And in going, he turned not to the right hand nor to the left from following Abner. And Abner looked behind him and said, Art thou Aziel? And he said, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn thee aside to thy right hand or to the left, and lay thee hold on one of the young men, and take thee his armor. But Aziel would not turn aside from following him. And Abner said again to Aziel, Turn thee aside from following me, wherefore shall I smite thee to the ground? How then should I hold my face to Joab thy brother? Howbeit he refused to turn aside. Wherefore Abner, with the hinder end of the spear, smote him under the fifth rib, that the spear came out behind him, and he fell down there and died in the same place. And it came to pass that as many came to the place where Aziel fell down and died, stood still. Okay? So um, a little bit of the setting here is they had this battle, and they were beaten. And Aziel, was, as we just read, was, was running after Abner. And Aziel was faster than Abner, and he was gaining on him. And Abner said, you know, he said, why don't you get some armor, and we'll fight like men, basically is what he was saying. And, um, but Aziel would not. He just kept running. And it's kind of a gruesome scene, but it's what the Word of God says. And, and it says that um, Abner just took his spear and he jabbed him underneath the fifth rib. And it says that Aziel fell down dead. Okay? So I want you to keep that in mind as we go farther into this story. Okay? That's not the death that we're looking at. 2 Samuel three twenty seven. This is the death that we want to look at. And you have to remember here a little bit now that you've all probably heard of the city of refuge. Hebron was a city of refuge. And um, in this setting here that we're going to read, Abner was very close to the city of Hebron, which was a city of refuge. So Joab was Aziel's brother, and so it was in the Old Testament that there was an avenger of blood, okay? And so Joab was the avenger of blood for Aziel, his brother. Um, in, in a certain situations, he, he had the right to kill Abner because he, Abner had killed Aziel. But as long as Abner was in one of the cities of refuge, there was not, Aziel could not legally, according to the law, kill Abner. It would be considered death for him. And so, um, so here's the setting. And, and Abner, it seems like if you read different times that... Abner was in and out of that city of refuge, but right here they're really close to the city of refuge, okay? And let's read verse 27 of chapter 3. And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Aziel, his brother. Okay? So, um... You know, here is, here's this city of refuge, and Abner, it says that they were right by the gate of the city of refuge. They were right at the gate. Had, had he been on the other side of the wall, Joab would not have had the right to do that. I know this is Old Testament and all this and that. have to keep that in mind. But, you know, here they are, and, and they come, to, and they're close to the gate of the city, and I can kind of see Joab, you know, he kind of he acts like to Abner. He says, come over here. I've got uh, something I need to tell you so that 
nobody else hears. And, and Abner comes over there, and we just read what happened. Um, Joab, I'm sorry, yeah, Joab killed him. Isn't it interesting that, that Abner was that close to the city of refuge? I had, I've, I've had to wonder before, when, when Noah built that ark, um, how many people do you think kind of sometimes just hung around that ark? Maybe even a few of them helped build it. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say they could have. wonder how many people just kind of hung around that ark and um, maybe even walked in and looked around a little bit, you know, and walked back out. But let me ask you a question. When the door was shut and the rain came, did it make any difference how close you was to the boat? No. It made no difference. Because once the door was shut, you could have hung around the boat for 50 years. You could have helped build on the boat. But unless you was inside the boat when the door was shut, it made no difference. You were just as lost as anyone who had never even could have cared less. And as I think about that, for us as believers, I want to challenge us tonight that it's not enough to hang around the people of God. Okay? It's not enough to hang around the things of God. Only if we are inside Jesus Christ can we have that refuge, okay? And I think we have, sometimes we have people who hang around the things of God. They hang around the people of God. They like, they like the principles of God's people. But maybe they never really come into that ark. All right? So um, let's read on here a little bit. Um, Abner is killed. And I'll drop down to verse 31. And here is the words going to come up that I would not want written on the back of my tombstone. Verse 30 of chapter 3. So Joab and Abiziel, his brother, slew Abner because he had slain their brother Aziel at Gibeon in the battle. And David said to Joab and to all the people that were with him, Rend your clothes and gird you with sackcloth and mourn before Abner and give King David himself. And King David himself followed the buyer. And they buried Abner in Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept. And the king lamented over Abner and said, Died Abner as a what? Fool dieth. Thy hands were not bound, nor were thy feet put into fetters. As a man falleth before wicked men, so fallest thou. And all the people wept again over him. You know, think about this a little bit in our terms today. If one of the top five mighty men in the U.S. government was killed, you know, there would probably be this long possession, this funeral, and, and all these things, and all these salutes, and, and all these different things. And, and then, you know, here comes President Trump, and he comes up to the platform. Maybe we wouldn't know for sure what he was going to say, right? But, you know, politically, politically, you know, people probably thought David was going to stand up here and he was going to say, 
Abner was a great man. Abner meant a lot to my, to my wife and I, and, and Abner was a great warrior, and, and Abner taught us a lot of things, and, you know, and, and Abner's going to be missed, and, and all these things. That's probably what the people thought David was going to say. But what did he say? Abner dieth as a what? Say it. A fool dieth. He died outside of the city of refuge. And anyone who dies outside of Jesus Christ dieth as a fool. And so, you know, that is one word that I would not want on the back of my tombstone is fool. You know, if God, yeah, I know the Bible says we're not supposed to call someone a fool. But you know, if God would come down, and I believe anybody who dies outside of Jesus Christ, a fitting word that God could write on the back of his tombstone would be fool. I don't want any possibility for God to be able to write that on my tombstone. I want God, I, I, I don't even want that as a possibility. As I was doing some studying, I was thinking about that, you know. I thought, well, we'll maybe talk about this on the next one because this one kind of fits in more with the next one. So the first word is fool. Anyone who dies outside of Jesus Christ, he dieth as a fool. Abner died outside of the city of refuge. He was close. He had been in it. But when he died, he was outside the city of refuge. Turn with me to Mark chapter 14. And I want us to look at the next one here. Mark chapter 14. And here Jesus is with his disciples. All right. Mark chapter 14, verse 17. It says, And in the evening he cometh with the twelve, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him, One by one, Is it I? Another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. Now this is, I find this one really intriguing. Okay? So the disciples are there, and it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's coming up to, close to the time when Christ is going to die for our sins. And he's with the twelve, and it's just Christ and the twelve from what we understand from this. And they're talking. And Jesus says this, he says, one of you, one of you are going to betray me. And the disciples didn't know who that was. What about tonight if, if I would say, no, not if I, but if Christ would say, one of you tonight here is going to betray me. Would you say, Lord, is it I? Or would you start looking around and saying, wonder, I wonder who, who that would be. Or, you know, the disciples said, Lord, is it I? I wonder if Judas said, Lord, is, 
Is it I? The story is told of a man who was in a nursing home and two brothers would visit this nursing home and they became really good friends with this man. And this man would praise the Lord with them and worship him with him. And when they would come different times, he'd be sitting out on the patio and, and it would be like, praise the Lord. Brother so-and-so, you know, brother so-and-so's coming. And, and this man, he would just, oh, wow, he would just, he would just go on and, and just praise the Lord together and, and all these different things. And, um, boy, they thought, boy, brother, this brother, he is just really on fire for the Lord. And a, a few months went by and a year or two, and this brother just kept praising the Lord with them. And, and one day they came to have the service, and he wasn't waiting for him. And they walked in. He wasn't on the patio. They walked in. He wasn't by the front door. And they went to the nurse's station and they said, um, where's Brother Tom? And the nurse said, oh, they said, she said, didn't you hear? She said, Tom died last night. And the two brothers were kind of taken back, and they said, oh, my. They said, uh, Brother Tom went home to be with the Lord. The nurse said, come down here to his room. I want to show you a few things. So they went down to his room, and she walked in, and she said, I want to show you some things. She said, Brother Tom was not who you thought he was. She went over and pulled open some of the drawers and there was stacks of pornography. She said, I want to show you a few other things. And then she said, I want to show you one other thing. And she says, I'm not, I know I'm not sure about Tom. And she says, I'm not for sure about you boys either. She went over and she pulled open the drawer and they looked in the drawer and there was necklaces, rings in there. She said, you know what Tom was doing? She said, when, when we would have someone die in here in the nursing home who nobody was really claiming or nobody was with, Brother Tom would come now, she didn't call him Brother Tom. She said, Tom would come and say, would it be all right if I would just go in there? And nobody's going to be coming. Could I just go in there with them and just spend some time with them and just pray with them while they're passing away? And they'd say, sure, go ahead. She said, Tom would go in there. He would close the door, and he would take their diamond ring. He would take their necklace he would steal from these people who were dying. And she said, here's the stash. She said, I'll tell you one thing. She said, Tom was a fake. And she said, I'm not so for sure that you boys aren't fakes too. Because you was with him. 
Judas was such of a good fake that while he was there with the 12 disciples, the other 11 disciples did not know that he was a fake. Because they were saying, is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Is it I? You know, and, and they didn't know. And they didn't understand. But Judas was so good at that. Brothers and sisters, tonight, I want to tell you one thing. You can fool people, but you will never fool God. God knows, okay? He knows whether you're a fake or not. He knows what's hidden on your computer. He knows what's hidden in your heart. He knows how much you love money. He knows it all, and it doesn't care if you He doesn't care what you wore. It doesn't matter what you wore. It doesn't really matter where you go or all these different things when it comes to God knowing your heart. Now, those things do make a difference. Please understand what I'm saying, right? And, and, you know, we we can do a lot of things. You know, we live in a time where... Where women change their skin color, they change their fingernail colors, they change their hair color, they they change all kinds of things, and they wear garments that you know enhance whatever all you know, and 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 then they walk down the street almost totally fake, but they walk down the street being proud, and they're almost totally fake. You know, sometimes in our circles we can, we, can, we can do that under plain clothes, can't we? We can fight like cats and dogs at home, and then we come to church, and everything's just nicey-nicey, and it's honey this and honey that. And we're nothing but a fake. Judas was a fake. I mean, can you imagine Judas, the man who ran around with Christ. The man who did, he did, he did miracles with Christ. He probably performed miracles in Jesus' name. I bet, I bet Judas' parents were proud of him. You know, they probably said, yeah, that's Judas. You know, he's one of the 12. That's my boy. That's our boy. But somewhere along the way, the Bible says that Judas by transgression fell. So I believe he was in, but at some point, he became a fake. Are you real tonight? Are you real? You know, Judas... He tried to, I don't know what all he tried, but you know, he brought that money back in there and he flung it down and the Bible says that he went out and he hung himself. He hung himself. Says they took that, that money and they bought the potter's field. Now, the potter's field was where they would dig and, and get the soil that they wanted out of there to, to make pottery and things. And, and then once they was done with it, it wasn't really good soil. And, and often when they would be done with those fields, they were just real uneven and up and down and holes and whatever because all, all the, the valuable stuff that they wanted was taken out of it and they would just leave it. And so it says that they took that money and they bought the potter's field so that they could bury people in who 
didn't have anybody to claim them. Have you ever been to prison where they have those little graveyards in the back and it's for people that die and nobody claims them? You know, would it not be a shame that if we as God's professing people forsook things all of our life and, and, and we made everything look so holy and so righteous and so whole, whatever but when we stand before God he's not going to say this but in my terms he would say you've been a fake and that he would come down and write on the back of our tombstone fake you see Abner died as a fool he was outside of the city of refuge. But Judas, he died a fake. He tried to, he was, act, he was pretending to be someone who he really wasn't. Someone once said that what we do in private is who we really are. What we would do in private when we know that no one else will see, that's who we really are. It's not, it's not, well, I hope it is, but it's, it, it may not be how we act when we come to church. You know, we, we slip on straight coats and cape dresses and a lot of things that cover up a lot of hidden sin. We say, wow, the way those women of the world dress. They do. That's wrong. It's sin. But we're not talking to the women of the world tonight, are we? Or the men of the world. We're talking about right here. We fight and we devour. We gossip. And yet, we slip on them clothes and we've learned the right things to say. And we come to church and we say, wow. You know, and, and people say, wow, how that brother can preach. Wow, how that brother can sing. Wow, how? But the whole time. You know, when you work with youth and, and you get into youth lives, you find out a lot of disappointing things about home. Praise God, you also find out about a lot of good homes. You find out about good homes too. But you know, I want to live my life in such of a way that I'm not ashamed for my youth to say how dad is at home. They're not going to be able to say he's perfect. I can guarantee you they've, they can say, I've seen him get upset before. But I hope by the grace of God that they can say, you know, but whenever dad messed up, he always made it right. And he went on. You know, a while back, God spoke to me about something in my own life. I, I had a lot of blessings in my home. And I had some things that were disappointments, just like my sons will face a lot. They, hopefully they have a lot of blessings, but there's going to be some things that could have been better, right? All of our homes are that way. But you know, I... 
I had to repent because one of the things that I felt in my home was that I had to perform. And if I didn't do that, there was a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? Dad would say, go get a wrench. And if I couldn't find that wrench, or if I didn't bring back the right wrench. You know, and God convicted me of that in my own life because I seen myself doing that same thing sometimes to my family. Putting that pressure on them. You know, I want to be real. I meant it when I said we came to be who we are. We don't want to be a fake. I believe that there are some people who pass from our circles that we will be shocked what comes out on Judgment Day. But it doesn't have to be one of us. You see, little Johnny got up one night and he had something on his heart. And he went outside and he walked around the house and when he came up to the window, he walked up to the window and he looked in and he was astonished what he'd seen on the computer. Stunned. And he looked at that for a little bit and he just slid down the side of the house and just laid there in the flower bed, not knowing what to do with what he just seen. But you see, Johnny had a problem because he would have liked to went to his pastor and told him. He would have liked to go to his daddy and have told him. But you see, Johnny couldn't because daddy was the pastor. You know, I have seen envy and pride and jealousy and all kinds of sins in our circles. And yet we can get behind the pulpit and preach. I tell you, am I without fault or sin at times? Absolutely not. But brothers and sisters, when I get up behind the pulpit to preach, I want to be not a fake. I want to be transparent and open. Does that make sense? I don't want to die with fake on the back of my tombstone. Let's look at another one. We've looked at two negatives. Now we're going to look at two positives. I like positives, don't you? We looked at two negatives. Let's look at two positives now. Luke 23. Turn to, uh, turn to Luke chapter 23.
And this is Jesus when he was hanging on the cross, all right? And we're not looking tonight at the death of Christ, but we're looking at the death of these two, um, these two malefactors that were hung with Jesus. Verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condition? And we indeed justly, but we, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Here Judas, he was running around with Jesus. He, had, he, was, a, he was a conservative fella, and he was running around with Jesus. And people were thinking, wow, that Judas, he's quite the guy. Well, I'll tell you what, here is a thief hanging on the cross. And in the last moments of his life, he says, God, will you be merciful to me, a sinner, is basically what he said. He said, will you remember me? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, I bet nobody even came and claimed the body of that thief. They might have taken him down to that old potter's field and threw him in one of those holes, covered him up. But I tell you what, he died forgiven. Forgiven. You know, I would love, I would love with all of my heart for Jesus Christ to come down and to ride on the back of my tombstone. Forgiven. Forgiven. And I have that opportunity. We all have that opportunity here tonight. There was a young girl who one day was rebellious. Mom and dad couldn't tell her much. They kept praying. Mom and dad was godly. I'm going to say this right now. I'm not in the camp that if someone has a child goes astray that they were a failure. I'm not in that camp. I believe we as fathers have a tremendous responsibility. But our children also have choices to make. Yes, we, we, we bear responsibility, and we, we have a tremendous responsibility to, 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 uh, to be the fathers that God wants us to be, and I take that very seriously. But I've heard people say things like, you know, my child will never do that, and I shudder. Foolish. But this young girl was rebellious, and one day, Daddy came home from work, and Mother was crying, and he said, what's wrong? And she said, she left. She said she's given it all up. She left. She's gone. And you know, that young lady vanished. I mean, she vanished. They did not see her. They did not hear for her. One year went by. Two years went by. Several years went by. Never heard a thing about that from their daughter. Never seen her. I mean, she was gone. One day they ran across a man and they got talking with her and he said I knew your daughter 
And he said, we was at a wild party. And he said, your daughter was killed. And those parents felt such of a weight. And some more time went by. And another year or two went by. And they kept praying. And, well, what do you do? And his daughter had been gone for a number of years. And one day the phone rang. And Daddy picked it up. And guess who was on the other end? It was his daughter. And Daddy said, honey, we thought you were dead. We met a man that said you was at a wild party and you were killed. And she said, yes, Daddy. That was supposed to have been me. But they got the wrong girl. I'm alive. And she said, Daddy, she said, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of my old life. She said, Daddy, I have given my life back over to Jesus Christ. And she said, Daddy, would it be all right if I came back home? And he said, yes, honey, you could come back home. Yes, come back home. Well, she said, Daddy, I got a few things to ask of you. She said, I have lived a life of wildness and parties and all kinds of things. And she said, I am so ashamed of those things in our past. We could stand to be a little more ashamed of some things in our past. And she said, Daddy, I have confessed these things to God. And she said, they are under the blood. And if I come home, would I not have to go all back through those wicked things in my life? And Daddy said, yes, honey, just come home. She said, Daddy, could... Could you forgive me? And daddy said, yes, honey. He said, I forgive you. You're forgiven. She said, oh, daddy, could you just say that one more time? He said, you're forgiven. Oh, she said, that sounds so wonderful, daddy. Just tell it to me one more time. He said, son, honey, you're forgiven. You can come home. So they began to talk, and he said, we would love to have, Mother and I would love to have you come back home. So he said, I'll buy you a ticket. And she said, well, I don't really want to fly. Um, he said, okay. And they decided that they would buy a train ticket. So the day came, and she was coming home on the train, and the parents were so anticipating the arrival of their daughter. And as they were sitting on the front porch, relaxing a little bit, waiting for the time to go down to the station to pick her up, and a police car drove in and came up to the family and asked, are you so-and-so? And they said, yes, they are. And they said, there's, there's been a terrible cra train crash, and we believe that your daughter was on that train and that she has passed on into eternity. And um, the parents were so heartbroken, but they went down and identified her, and yes, it was their daughter. And those parents were 
so heartbroken because they were so looking forward to that time when they could spend with their daughter who they had forgiven. They went ahead and had the funeral. They went ahead and buried her. And the parents said, you know, we, we heard a lot of cutting statements. But really, in some ways, the statements were right. People would say like, oh, man, she was a wild girl. She was a partier. She was a druggie. He said, those statements were right. And we, and we heard people say statements like that. You know what their daughter was? And you know this, and you know that. And he said, in years past, that was right. It was true. But he said, oh, those statements hurt so bad. So one day, he came up with a plan. He went, and he bought a six-foot tombstone. Of course, on the front, you put the name and the date and all this and that. But on the back of the tombstone, he placed one word. What do you believe that word was? Forgiven. He said, I wanted everybody to know that walked by my daughter's grave that she was forgiven. Oh, I want... I want to die and go to my grave knowing that I am forgiven before God and that his blood cleanses me. I, I would love to have that word written on the back of my tombstone. Forgiven. One more. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Very common verses. But let's read them. Six to eight. This is Paul speaking. He said, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. How many of you ever read the book of Michael Sattler, Pilgrim of Flame? Astounding man. You know, I want to die faithful. I'd love for God to come down on the back of my tombstone and write, faithful. Faithful. You know, a lot of people come to the end of their life and, and they have all kinds of regrets. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to come to the end of our life and have all kinds of regrets. Oh, sure, we can look back and we see some mistakes and we, we know that, but we can come to the end of our life and we can be as Paul when he said, I have fought a good fight, I have finished the course, and I have kept the faith. That's how I want to die, fighting in the battle, being faithful. You know, Michael Sattler was a, was a priest, and he was just not even a normal priest. He was higher than that, and God got a hold, he, he allowed God to get a hold of his life. 
and he was saved and he came out in the early Anabaptist movement with Martin Luther and some of those in that, in that era. And he came out and he was faithful to God. And finally they caught Michael Sattler and, um, and they, uh, they put him in prison and they tortured him beyond measure, but they could not get him to break. So finally one day they brought him into court and they stood him in the courtroom and he said he would not renounce his faith. And so they said tomorrow morning, we will take you to the stake. And they named off a whole bunch of things that they would do to him before they took him to the stake. And they said, you can go to your cell and think about it till morning. Michael Sattler, they told him, we're going to cut your tongue out. We're going to pull the flesh out with hot tongs, and we're going to burn you at the stake. So Michael Sattler goes to his, back to his cell. They take him back to his cell. And while he's there, you know, he, he was restless. I would have been too, you know. And, but he said, you know, well, God works some things out. He works some miracles out that actually his wife was able to, somebody from inside snuck his wife in to be able to see him that evening. And he said, he, he, as he prayed and he cried out to God, he said there was, there was a light that came into his cell. And he said, the peace of God came over me. And he said, I slept. Amazing, isn't it? And in the morning, Michael Sattler got up and they asked him the question or whatever, however they did that again. And, of course, his answer was still the same. But he had told his wife, he said, if I am faithful, he said, when they begin to burn that fire at the stake, what will I do? I will, or I will raise my hand in triumph because I have been faithful. And they took Michael Sattler out and they pulled out his tongue and they cut it off and they took, they hung him on hot shackles on a cart and they said you could hear those shackles sizzling as they hung him on that cart and as they started to take him to the stake and they came with those hot tongs and would pull flesh out of his body and then they took him to the stake and they stood him up there by the stake and they hung a little bag of dynamite around his neck and they asked him if he had any last words. And he admonished those around him to turn to Christ. And they lit the fire. And he looked wherever his wife was watching from. And as those flames were leaping up, he raised his hand in triumph. In triumph. Be thou faithful unto the end. And what? I will give you a crown of life. I don't know why some people die a normal death and why some people die a martyr. And I, I, I'm not God. I don't understand all of I don't know God, all of God's ways. But I know that every person who has been faithful, who has died forgiven, is going to say in glory someday that it was worth it all, regardless of how they left this life. I want to die forgiven. I want to die faithful. I remember spending the last few while with my mother by her bedside. And um, 
She was past, She was close to death. I remember talking with her, and she wasn't really responding anymore, but I, I made this vow to my mother. I said, I will be faithful. By the, I said, by the grace of God. You see, it's always by the grace of God, okay? But I said, I will be faithful in the ministry that God has called me to. And someday, I will be there. And you know, that's not always easy, is it? To be faithful. But you know, are we going to be faithful until death? Are we going to let the things of this world and, you know, what would you be willing to give in exchange for your soul? Position? Power? Money? Somebody said, I've been with a lot of people who died when they said, I wish I'd have spent more time with my family. I wish I'd have did more things for God. I wish I would have whatever. He said, it doesn't have to be that way. I don't think anybody's ever been with anybody that I've ever heard of that said, I prayed too much. I gave too much up for God. No, no. It's always the other. But you know, sometimes we live like we want to try to make sure that we don't give too much up for God. I tell you what, you can't give too much up for God. God gave it all, okay? And we're not going to get to heaven someday and say, oh, I didn't realize I could have done that and still made it to heaven. No, we're going to get to heaven someday and probably have tears running down our cheeks realizing we're all we missed it at, but because of the grace of God, we're there. You see? So... I want to be faithful. And by the grace of God, I don't want to worry about giving up too much for God. Take your Bibles in closing. We're going to turn to, remember, I'm going to be closing, but you're going to be sharing some words. Okay, we're not going to just do one or two. We're going to do a number of them. But be thinking, what, what word would you love to have written on your tombstone? Turn with me to the book of Revelation. Eight times the book of Revelation tells us who's going to be in glory. Let's turn and read. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that what? Maybe you're not there yet. I'll start over. Revelation 2, verse 7. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Same chapter, verse 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that shall not be heard of the second death. Same chapter, verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that Will I give to eat of the hidden man, and will give him a white stone, and in that stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Verse 26 of the same chapter. And he that and keepeth my words unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. 315, chapter 3, verse 15. I'm sorry, 3, verse 5. He that 
The same shall be clothed in white raiment. And listen to this. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Same chapter, verse 12. Him that will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Same chapter, verse 21. To him that will I grant to set with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. And now let's go to 21, verse 7. He that shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Makes it pretty clear, doesn't it? It's he that overcometh. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies, and they loved not their life even unto death. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you crown of life I may have already said this I believe I did the other night but I say it again sometimes we get letting our mind wander and we think about would I be able to die for Christ or how could I die you know all these things I just challenge you tonight don't really spend a lot of time on that just spend all your life living for him okay and if he asks you to die for him he'll show you how to do that don't you believe that? I believe that tonight. That if I'm living for Christ, he'll show me how to die for him. That's right. Let's pray. Father, tonight, we don't want to die a fool or a fake. We want to die faithful. We want to die forgiven. And God, is, as we just share these next few minutes, Lord, on, 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 on words that we would love to have on our tombstone that, that are true of our life. Lord, I pray not only that we would love to have them, but that we would live a life that would back them up. Father, we thank you for all the overcomers that have went before us as examples. Thank you for the, all the people that's going to be overcomers here tonight. Thank you for until you tarry, you have promised that you will have a church. Thank you for that. And God, in the next few moments as we just share, I just pray, Lord, that um, it would be from our heart and that we would truly mean what we say. Thank you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.